It's time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and a very good evening. It's Tuesday the 25th of January. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. And what a few days it's turned out to be. Um, like myself, you probably find yourself shocked, flabbergasted, excited, nervous, you know, unsure regard, with regard to the announcement that on Taoiseach Michal Martin made on Friday that all of a sudden COVID seems to have just kind of relaxed and things are relatively fine again. I know a lot of people have concerns out there and, you know, over the past few days we really see that there's effectively been a time bomb or a ticking bomb dropped into the lap of employers right across the country because the whole idea of a phased return to work seems to have kind of been forgotten about. I, for one, definitely noticed a lot more traffic on the roads yesterday and today. Is that a sign that we're heading back to the offices in large numbers? Is that what people really want all along? Are we going to learn anything from the past two years? I mean, on last week's show, I just made mention of recent analysis that showed that jobs growth in the Gwiltocht area is at an all-time high, driven primarily by people working from home. So what have we learned in the past two years? How can we really kind of leverage that and move forward and ensure that we keep jobs and we keep companies and we keep the Midlands as an area to attract people and not just go back to the way things were and back to the traffic jams and the commuting and saying goodbye to kids at half five in the morning and seeing them again at nine o'clock at night and they're growing up and you think like you don't know them at all. Are we going to go back to that? Are we going to make lasting change? Well, Tonight's show, we're going to focus on some elements of that and we're going to look at that great return to the office. Is it driving a gigantic wedge between employers and their workers? I'll have some expert analysis from Caroline Reedy of the HR Suite and Caroline will also look at the 13 grounds on which an employer may refuse a request for remote working. Now, a lot of stuff is coming hot off the press this evening in terms of potential guidance and guidelines and legislation and bills and strategies and all that, but you kind of wonder, is it all just coming too fast? And ultimately, what's driving it all? Beyond that, we're going to look at the Midlands-based recycler that's just recorded its busiest ever week in terms of electronic waste collections. Um, It appears that consumers, we just can't stop buying electronic goods. But I suppose there's a good news story in it too in that we now seem to be more aware of how we can go about recycling those goods too. That story is coming up a little bit later on the show. And Conor Cochran from Mullingar's Social Media Elite will drop in and Conor will have some tips on how to get your business noticed ahead of all your competitors. It's a fast-growing company. It's now become a social media agency and they're also recruiting for a range of very specialist roles in that business. It's a fantastic story. Lots of development, lots of growth there in the last couple of years. Conor will spill all the beans a little bit later. I, of course, would like to hear from you as always. You can get me here on the Lamb Brothers Tullamore text and WhatsApp number 083 103. Tell me, what do you think about the lifting of restrictions? Right, wrong? And what uh, what impact will it have on you, your job and your workplace too? Like, will you be back to the office? Were you compelled to come back in? Have you already had discussions with your employer about what the working model and the working week will look like as you move forward? Love to hear from you there. 083 103. You can always get me on email too if you've got any ideas or content you'd like me to look at on the show. Business at midlands103.com. But first this evening, going back to that whole 
um, lifting of restrictions and businesses returning to normal. I think of pubs that were discarding podiums. I'm thinking of Paul and Cathy Ann Bell in the Brewery Tap that had a famous podium there. I think they, they've probably burnt it at this stage that they don't want to see it ever again. And fantastic news to hear all that. But it also puts a lot of pressure back on employers. You have to bring people back in. You've got to restock. You've got to get used to pretty much no restrictions anymore and back to the way things were, deal with uncertainties and whatever else it might be. But I guess lurking under the surface of all the positivity is what happens from now? Now that businesses are being given the opportunity to return to pre-pandemic trading conditions, it doesn't necessarily mean they'll be back to pre-pandemic trading levels in terms of maybe revenues and that. And, and we all know a cost of energy, the cost of raw materials and so much more has just gone up and up and up and continues to rise. So what is the real significance of last Friday's announcements um, for your business? Well, to find out what changes, if any, have been made to both business supports and employee supports, I'm delighted to be joined by John McCann from MCM Accountants in Tullamore. John, a very good evening to you. You are very welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Thank John, you. has anything major changed since Friday? Uh, well, look, I suppose this. Uh, some in, in terms of um, the supports that the, the government has afforded businesses, um, <clears throat> This was already earmarked for uh, quite some time ago and essentially since from the 1st of January the, the supports are actually dropping bit by bit and uh, in the worst case scenario or the worst worst hit um, organisation there will be no supports uh, come the end of May. It's as simple as that. So the CRSS and this is a payment to help cover overheads will pretty well be gone. The EWSS as we know and this is a, a support to the employer um, that has been reduced down to 200 per employee and it's going to be gone. It has been extended to the end of April as it was supposed to go at the end of March as far as I understand in uh, significantly badly hit organisations such as the hospitality um, that would be extended to May but it's pretty well gone uh, there was another little piece that very few people realised is that part of the EWSS was that they reduced the employer's PSI down to I think I think it was about half a percent as against the current 11% and this was a very 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 good uh, support but back in September time that started reducing downwards to, and it's pretty well gone for the, for the current year so what's very interesting that we have seen um, during this whole period is that um, we're looking at accounts and we're doing accounts for 2020, we're doing some accounts for 2021 and very, an awful lot of our, our, our clients probably made a lot of money during that period and you're sitting to yourself and saying they've made money and really when you actually strip out where the money is it's actually been the assistance of the government support so they've been really, really, really vital and really, really important. I would also make the point that it is probably giving, given some sort of a, um, a a chest, a war chest, to go into a period when these supports won't be there anymore. So um, yeah, it's going to be very, it's going to be a very difficult time. It's going to be very different. There's a point that was made. I've heard is that did the supports just keep uh, ailing companies going, which should have gone anyway? That that is now going to come out fairly quickly. They either. Um, they'll either survive and, and, and prosper or else they'll fail. So I would expect that we will probably see later on in the year around September time, if everything goes as is, we'll probably start seeing the insolvency area, liquidations of companies um, beginning to, 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 to move on. It'll be interesting to watch the stats on that, as you say, to see where the companies that were potentially going to go anyway, and it's yes. just prolonged that too. But quite interesting to hear you mention and, and talk about that war chest. Um, yes probably might go slightly against what people might automatically assume but in that regard then have the government have they done a good job in terms of supporting businesses here um 
Look, I don't know what what they're like against against other countries, but the one thing I certainly the one or two places I do know, like if you're a business trading in Poland, you can forget it. The government just let them go to the wall. Um, in Britain, they've been reasonably good, as I understand it, and in certainly other European countries, they probably haven't been as good as our own government have. Now we can. Uh, we can give out about how things were done. We can give out about a lot of the bureaucracy that was around it. But as a general rule, I think they supported. I think they supported most of the business as well. I think the 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 uh, arts probably were hurt very badly. But unfortunately, I think they were going to always be a casualty of um, of of socialisation, which we Irish people are really good at. Yeah, and I suppose again, you know, they're that sector too. That you know, I think you know, a lot of people will respond in kind and try and get out and support in the coming weeks and months too. But there's definitely going to be a, a sense of hesitation from some people there yeah. too. So it's probably a <coughs> sector that's not quite out of the woods just yet. But um, if you look at it, even from the point of view of, I suppose, your own experience in, in day-to-day accounting as well, things like the the tax warehousing and stuff like that is that likely to have any kind of knock-on effects or again is it well, is it taking the long-term game for companies and allowing them a way out of this well they, they say they say there's about something where about 2.5 billion owing in, 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 in warehouse tax taxes um, well the government really two choices they either try to collect all the taxes at the time which was not possible or else um, afford them the opportunity to, to, to park them until such time as, as this thing passed over I would think that was a sensible approach um, I hope and I really do hope they don't start writing them off because there was a suggestion that the hospitality industry was putting forward to to, to Mr O'Donoghue that maybe they might write it off. And I would certainly be of the opinion, no, you don't write them off. I think you have to collect them. And even if you have to collect them over a 10-year period, do so because it, it, it is only equitable for many of those companies who would have struggled like our own. And But, you know, while we were supported, we felt that it was only appropriate that we did try and pay our taxes as they fell due. So... I think that's important, but I think the other big risk that is, and the, the the real thing that's facing is that all of a sudden we have huge cost increases. Now they say the rate of inflation is about six percent. I would think that's a minimum for 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 materials coming into the country. Uh, it, it's even been quoted like it's, there's there's certain materials coming in at thirty percent of an increase. Um, that's going to be a huge huge factor. Staff are going to because of this. And inflation comes in, staff are going to look for more money, which is it's not an unreasonable prospect. And with everything that's going on, as you say, this has opened up very, very quickly and almost too quickly that, you know, how are we actually going to manage all these variables that are floating around? And I think that is going to be the real um, threat to businesses coming out of this uh, this 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 closed down. because even some of those variables we're talking you know mandatory sick pay schemes even the extra bank holiday like not to be sniffed at for some small companies it, yeah. it's a cost that wasn't there last year and will be a once off this year but all these things are potential costs for yeah. for companies I, I think the way yeah I, I, the way this has just been put out there I think what's happened is also with this uh, working from home thing and I'm, I know you have a guest on who will detail it I'm only just going to pick up what I've seen I think it's it's uh, and I'm being very polite in saying it's really annoyed employers because it's another thing being thrown at employers because I'm I would and I've said it before I'm certainly not adverse at all to working at home I think it's if if it works well with the family and works well for the employer and if it's kind of productivity related it is it I think it's very it's very very um, it's very good for all concerned everybody wins mammies and daddies win families win the employer wins. I don't think it's particularly useful when we deal with what I call service. So if I ring the revenue, I want to speak to somebody. The problem is I'm, get, I'm getting a, a phone that's diverted and if that person needs to contact somebody else, they have to yeah, ring but me But that back. could be a GDPR issue, John. Well, <laughs> look, there's, a, there's, there's the whole, whole issue. But 
that's another factor that is going to yeah. really, really hurt uh, hurt the recovery. So, you know, it yeah. has to be managed and there has to be a lot of thought put into it. Yeah, I would certainly agree with you on that. If it's productivity based, it can be an absolute winner and a game changer for yeah. people. Once it's not just entirely lifestyle based or a sense of well, what, what should be and all. Um, just if you've got used to letting your cat out a couple of times a day for the last two years, doesn't mean that's going to, you know, <laughs> be, be, be applicable going forward. Well, it's for not part job. of your employment contract <laughs> that you let your Abs- cat out. <laughs> absolutely. John, uh, thank you at all. A pleasure for coming in for those updates too. As I say, it's going to be quite, a, quite an interesting time for a lot of businesses kind of watch the watch that bottom line carefully but uh, interesting here that there is potentially that war chest for some companies there to help them uh, ride out this period I'm not going to ask you about the 1000 euro bonus for frontline workers because uh, we, we won't have enough time for you to answer that one um, and I, I can guess what your opinion might be on it but that's another day's story John McCann thank you so much um, after break I am going to touch on that topic of you know, that ticking time bomb or that ticking bomb that's been landed on so many employers' desks with the reopening, effectively, of society from last Friday and the great return to the office. And it's thrown up huge amounts of complications where people actually given time to be ready for it. Um, but after break, I'm going to talk to a HR expert about it and maybe get some pointers around what steps you should be taking now to at least begin that conversation with your employees to see how this can work for you going forward. Later in the show, I'll talk to Conor Cochran as well from Mullingar Social Media Elite, and he'll drop you some really strong hints on how to get your business noticed online ahead of all your competitors. Lots to come on Taking Care of Business. Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. In the first part of the show, I described it as a as a ticking bomb that basically has been landing on many businesses, uh, desks and on their, in their front office over the past couple of days, really emanating from the announcement last Friday evening from Antishock Michal Martin that effectively the majority of COVID restrictions that we knew have been lifted. It allowed pubs, clubs, restaurants, cinemas, everywhere to reopen, sports venues to go back to full capacity, even has raised a lot of questions I think from all of us as, as just general citizens around what we actually need to do in terms of mask wearing and in, in terms of social distancing and all. And whilst there's some restrictions still in place, um, one thing that has almost kind of, it slipped through nearly on Friday evening into Saturday that regarding the return to the office, it was kind of always described as going to be a phased approach but over kind of Sunday into Monday, that seemed to just disappear entirely. And all of a sudden it seemed like, well, no, it's back to the office for everybody. And then we start hearing about draft legislation, maybe strategies, guidance on how employers can do this. Can employees request the right to remote work? What type of working model might even work for your company? Is it hybrid? Is it remote? Is it a mixture? Is it a blend? And really, it has become a very, very topical issue today. And there's a lot of irate business owners out there so to try to make some sense of it, get a grasp of what the kind of feeling nationally is on it and, and look at what employers can maybe start doing to, to try to maybe uh, lengthen the fuse on that bomb and, and not have a mass walkout or, or uprising in their business. I'm delighted to be joined by Carol, Caroline Reedy of the HR Suite. Caroline, um, very good evening to you. This, is a, this has become a very topical thing today. Without doubt, I think, Ronan, obviously the um, announcement on Friday uh, was welcome news for everybody and I think this was kind of among the announcement and as people went back to work on Monday there was a lot of concern from employers and employees of what now does that mean for me so for many people they've been working from home for the last two years nearly now 
and they feel that it's gone really well and they've set up their life, their childcare and other, you know, um, norms around drive to work, etc. And all of a sudden now they're worried as to what does that mean for me? And for employers, they are trying to retain and motivate employees. And this is now a big conversation point that, you know, employers are being asked. So what is your strategy? What is your policy on that? As we wait for, I suppose, the right to request remote working code of practice, which is being promised uh, to come in the coming months. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's due in a couple of months. And even today then, maybe somewhat concerningly, you hear of these things about like 13 grounds on which maybe employers can refuse remote working. You know, really not probably what you want to be hearing in the in you know in the media or in the national media today around how employers can refuse it it's almost setting it up to be a conflict i think that for many employers because they've had to manage extended remote working now in an emergency covid situation there's a lot of good processes and systems around remote working but for some it's now kind of making the business decision to say, look, it's no longer a requirement. So what now does normal remote working or normal hybrid working mean for us? And for some organisations, they feel it's not working as well. For example, for new people who are starting out, they want to be in the office. They're going to learn more. They, they miss the social element. But for others, this is something now that they see as a benefit. And if this was to be taken away, it may change their thought process. And I suppose legally, we've got to remember that whatever it says in the employee's contract of employment, that's their legal place of work. And until this code of practice comes in, um, ultimately, as we sit here today, there's nobody that has the right to say, well, I want to work from home and that's it. However, we're strongly advising employers to consult and engage early with a positive, you know, engaging, proactive approach and try and ensure that any concerns employees have are being listened to and try and identify what does the business require and what our employee requests and try and see from a retention and a morale perspective, can we meet at a happy medium? And I think that's going to throw up or will throw up discussions then around that thing, like what is the work model? Is it fully remote? Is it remote a few days a week? Is it hybrid, blended? You know, does it vary day to day as well? I mean, even that and trying to figure that out in itself could be quite complex and, and ambiguous for people. It, it can, but I suppose ultimately, I don't think the one size fits all model is going to work for most employers. We've seen a lot of people now have recruited during the pandemic people who are fully remote and may only be required to go into the office a couple of days a month because they wouldn't leave the job they were in if they didn't get that as a term in the new role. And I think as a result of that, for employers, it's all about, so what does my business need going forward into 2022 and beyond? And that strategic focus on retention and attraction, I believe, needs to incorporate some elements of the hybrid model. For some roles, that might be fully remote and a couple of days in the office to meet, you know, for meetings and for collaboration and strategy and business development. But for other roles, especially new people. I think there is merit in them being in the office that bit more. But I think we have to in, you know, be really conscious that this is a, the future of work and this is now being, I suppose, driven from the perspective that it has worked in most cases really well for the last year and a half. And that's been under 
I suppose, COVID pressures, whereas now we can go into it with a lot more proactive approach and have maybe a better blend for both. And I think that remote working concept of, you know, well, it won't work, you know, that's gone because of COVID. Whereas previous to COVID, I think a lot of people were thinking, well, that's just not going to work for me or my team. So I think that was one of the big benefits that came out of COVID that we definitely don't want to lose. I think if we had this conversation a week ago, we would be looking at remote working or hybrid working as almost an assumption, a, a kind of a prerequisite or a given in terms of employment going forward. But today, is there a likelihood that actually it could almost become like a perk of the job that if certain targets are met or whatever else, that maybe some days of remote working would be allowed? Could you see it actually becoming more of a, a perk of the job now as opposed to just a, an assumption? I think um, it's going to be driven by attraction and retention, to be honest, Ronan. I think that's going to be a big part of it. I think there's definitely going to have to be more proactive management. Let's be honest, a lot of managers maybe haven't been managing people as proactively because maybe their management style has remained the same pre-COVID and post-COVID and maybe they're not giving the level of support or the level of communication or engagement that's required now in a different work model. I think we also have to support staff by training them to maximise productivity and efficiency now that they're working from home as well. So I think this requires a policy. I think this requires lots of consultation and engagement. But I think fundamentally it requires a change of culture and ethos in relation to where is the place of work and how are we going to manage that going forward. But I think there's way more benefits to this then there is challenges, but I think we need to engage in the challenges to just eliminate those as much as we possibly can. Yeah, I think when you start mentioning the ethos and the culture as well, that, that could actually be the biggest barrier or stumbling block for some companies. They may not want to go and have that conversation. Maybe that could be a hard conversation. I know for many organisations, they've already had that and they will continue to have that because things like empathy will play a huge role in this. And, and that's really it really is going to the hearts and minds of this thing, isn't it? Like it's you know, a cold, hard policy won't solve this, but taking an, an, a, you know, a, a more empathetic approach to it certainly could help. I think so. And we've seen that, you know, in general, if you try and facilitate staff from a morale perspective, you'll always get it back in droves. But I think also we need to be aware of the fact that the reason why the draft bill has refusal options in it is this isn't either going to be once the legislation and the code of practice comes in, it isn't going to be an automatic right. It needs to work for the business. And I think we can't forget that. So each um, option will be considered on a case by case basis. And what it reminds me of is, you know, when somebody would say, I'd like to take two months off or I'd like to, you know, take different types of leave. Many people would say, God, I don't think we'd manage. And then they do. And it works. So I think we know this will work. It's just making sure that we consider the business requirements and are very transparent. And in scenarios where it won't work and there's lots of jobs and organisations and reasons based on business criteria why it mightn't work, then I think the employee, once they feel that they're being treated fairly, I think that will really help because I think it's that transparency and that process and procedure and then being part of that process of getting to where we need to get to will help ensure morale isn't negatively impacted as a result of the many requests I expect that will come once this draft code of practice comes into place. And even in the meantime, the request to continue to work remotely, I think, is on many managers' desks today if there is talk about any form of a return that maybe they weren't expecting. 
I think it's time to take a deep breath, wait and see what comes from that strategy, but begin those conversations with the employees and keep a focus on that long term goal of, of staff retention and that type of thing. That's that's really that's it in a nutshell, is it? That's absolutely it. And like, let's be conscious of the fact that as we go into 2022, inflation is over 5%. People are looking for pay increases. You know, there's a huge pressure on, you know, the competitiveness and how we do business, how we retain talent and, you know, the whole concept of culture eat strategy for breakfast. So if we don't get the people piece right, our business focus for the year is going to be really negatively impacted. So I think this has to be part of that strategy. And as you say, part of that pay and benefits overall conversation. So it, it focuses on keeping our really good people and also ensuring we're moving forward with a modern work practice that is attractive to new recruits as well as retaining who we have. Caroline Reedy, thank you so much for that. That's Caroline Reedy there of the HR suite. And again, just trying to give a little bit of guidance there and advice around that whole, uh, that, that ticking bomb that's been placed on desks as well. It's going to stoke, uh, rise many conversations over the coming weeks and months in the workplace. I think Caroline's advice is kind of to the point. Be ready for it. I had a lovely text uh, from Tom in County Lee. She says, this working from home is not really for everyone. He said he tried it recently, but he set fire to the couch with his welder. Good man, Tom. Thanks a million for the text. If you got a text, send it in to me. 083 30 10 103. After the break, I'm going to meet Conor Cochran from Social Media Elite in Mullingar. And they are becoming one of the fastest growing media agencies in the Midlands and indeed the country. Guaranteed to get your business um, advertised and online and in front of your customers quicker than anybody else. Find out just how after this break. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business social media elite is one of ireland's leading digital marketing agencies it was founded by connor cochran in mullingar in just 2016 the team have the necessary skill set to build and leverage high performing digital platforms strategy designing developing marketing and project management managing and an awful lot more behind that. Connor was with me on the show probably about two and a half years ago. Things were already going quite strongly for them at the time. Um, that development and growth has continued apace over the past two and a half years. And it's great to have Connor back in studio here tonight. Connor, I suppose you're very welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Take us up to speed with where things are with Social Media Elite now. Yeah, thanks, uh, Ronan. Great to be here. Um, I suppose Social Media Elite, it was two years ago or so when I spoke to you, in the e-commerce and digital space in Ireland were really exploding and social media elite in our company we were part of that kind of crest of the wave Covid came along and really amplified e-commerce in Ireland um, prior to Covid people in Ireland would spend €800,000 per hour on e-commerce when Covid came then figures it was like Black Friday every single week so we had businesses reaching out saying how do I make sure all my sales are coming online or how do I amplify my current online presence? So that's from paid ads to influencer marketing to improvements on the website. So this whole digital space has just fast-tracked Irish businesses probably five, ten years into really forcing them or really improving their online presence. Um, and obviously we've been lucky to be part of that industry in terms of the services we have offer. We've really kind of created this centre of excellence excellence of digital services um, that has allowed us to be probably the focal point of this growth over the last few years and we've been lucky to really be on that journey. Did What con- consumers are, were looking for, did that change and that maybe 
Was it initially about just getting access to goods, you know, good customer experience in order to buy those goods? Did it shift towards looking for more Irish source goods mm. or whatever? Like, did you, did you notice any trends over the past two and a half yeah, years? Yeah, absolutely. Before COVID, 75% of that, let's say, 800,000 euro that was been spent was leaving Ireland, mainly going to UK websites. Um, with COVID, there was definitely this surge towards local business, local retailers. Um, but also Brexit actually helped that. You know, made it like people bought online and next second this product arrived at the door and they're like, oh, you owe us 50 euro. It made people think twice where Irish businesses could advertise saying, oh, we have a customs free, you know, and, and, and probably faster delivery. So there was 100% a trend towards shopping local and Brexit probably amplified that a little bit for the customer. It's always great to hear too because again, you know, we know the stuff that's spent locally as well. It has that knock-on effect for, mm. for the community too. But I mean, we talk about the community, even in Mullingar, your own community of people with uh, social media lead has been expanding ever since and you, you've gone from being that kind of digital marketing company into an agency effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Like social media lead was very much specialising on social media marketing. We really offer a full 360 in digital marketing and kind of that digital services from viral media with web design, photo, video shoots, to uh, icon management with influencers um, it really allows us probably to when a, a retailer or anyone in online space e-commerce comes to us we can offer them the full service they now need and probably a few years ago people could trade online with just getting away with just doing a few social media posts now there's a full circle to what needs to happen to be successful online because it's a more competitive space we've even created our own e-commerce business Cash Beauty which has been very successful in the cosmetics market as well. And I suppose I was going to ask you for even some examples of some of the, the big successes you've yeah. had. I know a few years back, the launch of the Inglot um, Cosmetics line as mm. well, there was huge um, interest driven, you know, generated in that, particularly for the UK launches as well. Now mm. on to Cash Beauty as well. So yeah. you found something that you seem to be doing really well. Yeah, like Cash Beauty, obviously, uh, part of Icon Management, we, we manage uh, Kaylee MUA. So we, we co-founded Cash Beauty, which is an e-commerce cosmetics company. And without doubt, over the last uh, 18 months, it's exploded. Um, it's been sold to 100 countries in the last 15 months. Shopify recognised it in the top 1% fastest growing brands in 2020. So it's an explosive growth that uh, that it's gone on. And it's incredible to see from the warehouse in Mullingar on a daily basis, these parcels going out to every corner of the world, which is quite a unique scenario that here you have this local business in Mullingar. Upstairs in our office, you've people working on the website, people working on promoting ads. We have an influencer filming content, while downstairs we're shipping out orders that could be going 10 miles out the road to the far side of Australia. And there's countries I've heard, you know, I've read uh, from the packaging that I had to Google where they are. It's incredible. <laughs> and then when you mentioned that Shopify recognition, that's global recognition, not, yeah. just, not just locally. Like. Th that's 1% in the world. And you're talking about Shopify as a platform as probably the biggest e-commerce platform in the world. Like it was, it was a, that's a, that kind of gives you the scale of that growth, not just on a local level or national level, that's global. So it's absolutely significant. And what's the key driver in getting that message, that USP out mm. there? I know before when I spoke to you, we, we had a good conversation around chatbots and about being able yeah. to leverage those. Possibly things have probably moved on from then. Mm. Now, what, what's, what are the hot things now that people need to be looking at and the platforms yeah. need to be on? Yeah, it's probably like you could say like you need to be excellent at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And I think it's quite important for businesses 
not to try to do everything and be good at nothing. So at the start to be very good at a couple of channels. But absolutely to be very successful on a on a national and international level, your social channels have to be excellent. Your email strategy has to be excellent. Your influencer strategy has to be ex- excellent. You combine all this together. Each one of them avenues is bringing in a good percentage of sales to your company and you will see huge growth. And it allows you to go into different markets. Like if you wanted to enter the UK market, maybe you find the right influencers to team up with. And very quickly you can expand uh, your your growth into new areas. And when it comes then to looking at, say, a digital marketing strategy for an organisation, um, is part of your role too, like almost trying to, you know, it, it can be a big undertaking, a big spend for a company to look at, say, putting resources yeah. into that. Obviously, you can demonstrate the return on investment on it, but mm. is it kind of, is it becoming now that thing where basically businesses, a bit like something like digitalization or sustainability policies, they've got to make that bite and either have a team in-house or a team that maybe is is led or maybe supported by a company like Social Media Elite. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, it's actually crucial at this stage. And I think like making that transition is not easy. Like you might have a company that's a national brand and they can come to an agency like ourselves. And it's a lot easy for us to activate strategy and probably get return on investment immediately. For a brand starting out, obviously it's, a, it's an upfront cost. And the way they need to treat it is like they were opening a second shop. So if you're opening a second shop, you have a fit out. That's like your website. You build this gorgeous shop. How, what do you do? You then pay rent. So how much rent you pay is kind of like your marketing. So if you pay high rents, maybe you're based on Grafton Street. If you pay no rents, you're out in the field in the middle of nowhere. Exact same in the online world. If you want the best marketing, reach the best audience, you just need to spend it like being on Grafton Street. If you want to do it cheaply, you'll be on a field with one or two passerby and you'll wonder why you're not making money. So it is kind of that how much are we willing to kind of give it this go and how quick you want to make it back as well. You and know, the value or potential value from an influencer, I mean, is, mm. it, is it kind of very, is it tailored or very specific to certain kind of products or are there opportunities for pretty much any business to try to make use of an influencer? Oh, definitely any business, w- without doubt. And we see that in our Irish and UK clients. Any business that's using an influencer in icon management, they specialise in finding the right influencer for your brand, whether they manage them or not. And they do manage some of the best ones in the country. But what an influencer allows you to do is, whether it was a beauty product, a fashion product, you can say, I'm looking to promote my product X. They will then find you say, well, this person here has a following of, let's say, 100,000 people. They have 18 to 24 years of age is the, is the market you're looking to hit. And if you basically do a promo with them, you know that you're going to hit probably like 100,000 people of your target market by a trusted influencer. And they're trusted and they're following trust what they say and often buy into what they say. It's incredible the impact they have. Because what that trust in a brand is really, it's everything. I mean, we've seen that recently here in the Midlands when, you know, Vincent Cleary from Glenisk was on a couple of weeks ago and he mentioned that they were about to get yogurt back on the shelves. Just the the, the amount of messages we got here to the station and even through our social media channels, just wishing them well and the products had come back because people were waiting for it. That that trust in a brand can be can be hard to hard to hard to create or to cultivate but if you get it it, it really is a you know, yeah. if it takes an influencer I suppose to help you on that it might it might extend that for you yeah it, it probably amplifies the speed of what you can do it like when you build a brand you know often you build trust through experts through customer service through what you do uh, an influencer lets you get there faster really and your high performance team is 
set to grow again and even mm. just yesterday just even before you know I knew you were coming on and I just spotted mm. it yesterday then that like you're currently looking for at least five kind of key roles within the company as well yeah like we've been hiring rapidly we've a team of 30 there at the moment um, this five is probably in the first three months of the year and we have a lot more avenues of where the group is growing um, and, and the roles are probably from graphic design to even a bookkeeper to digital marketing executive um, to web so we've quite diverse roles and the one thing that we're seeing based in the Midlands is, is we have an advantage that people are willing to travel you know 40 minutes in the Midlands with no traffic to come to work and work in a really good environment with a really good team strive to be better at their job and not probably have the the fuss of Dublin and we have people coming from Dublin down the way that probably are, are getting the benefit of that so there's a lots of benefits for based in the Midlands and we have an incredibly talented team um, that strive for absolute high performance and that's what we're about is is being the very very best not just nationally but we strive to be the best in the world in what we do we look for always that kind of top 1% figure in the world and I know over the years you were you would have been uh, worked closely with the Westmead local enterprise office mm. there in terms of business supports. Are you now at a stage where you're an Enterprise Ireland client or where are you with that? Um, we're probably in between at the moment. So mm. we definitely still have, because we have different companies in the group, so yeah. some are still part of uh, the local enterprise office and some will be part of, of Enterprise Ireland. But anyone who is thinking about doing stuff online, you need to see what you're available for from Enterprise Ireland or local enterprise office. The support for businesses going online is absolutely incredible yeah. and they've been key over COVID for people transitioning online or amplifying their online presence. Yeah, things like the trading online yeah. vouchers. We've we've regularly mentioned them on the show here. They've been they've been brilliant for so many companies and yeah. they really like they, they kind of widened out the criteria and the availability of them as well. And, it's and you can get it a second time. Yeah. Yeah, which is huge for businesses like that kind of got a website and then could reinvest in marketing. And, and yeah. look at look at the whole digital marketing strategy too. It is such a minefield. But um, anybody that wants to find out more, just check uh, out socialmediaelite.ie. You'll find out all about Connor and his high performance team. And uh, who knows where things are going to be in two to three years' time. But Connor, as always, an absolute pleasure having you in studio. Thanks a lot, Ronan. That's Connor Cochran, there, managing director of Social Media Elite, based in Mullingar. Proud to be from Mullingar and really making a difference, as he said himself. There's people coming from Dublin to work for him. Says it all. I mentioned this earlier in the show about how we can't go back to old habits, the old ways of working. Sure, we can't. You know, there's proof. The proof is in the pudding. After the break, we're going to hear from another Midlands business that has is just continuing to grow and to meet uh, increasing customer demand. KMK Metals have just recorded the the largest amount of e-waste collections uh, in a single week. More on that after this quick break. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. MK Metals Recycling with operations in Tullamore and Kilbegan have just recorded a record week and they've recycled or they've collected close to 1,000 tonnes of e-waste. Staggering numbers and that's, that's just one week's work. To find out a little bit more about what is driving that surge in demand and indeed the surge of recyclable electronic waste to the Midlands area. I'm delighted to be joined by Christopher O'Brien, he's Production and Operations Manager at KMK Metals Recycling. Christopher, good evening. I suppose it, people probably can have a fair guess at what's driving this, but what's what's your kind of, um, I suppose, your data and, and the stuff you're seeing coming across your Weybridge? What's it telling you? What are we recycling at the minute? Uh, thanks very much for having me on. Um, it's You can see very much uh, there's an increase in our small household appliance um, materials are coming in 
so things like radios, kettles, toasters, that type of that type of um, activity. But also we see a big drive at the moment in terms of white goods. Obviously, people maybe are upgrading in terms of their washing machines or dishwashers, whatever sales it may have been on. They've they've used the opportunity there in the new year to to upgrade. Um, but it's good to see that the material is actually coming into us here in KMK Metals, and that we're getting the opportunity to recycle it in compliance with with all our um, EPA licensed uh, facility and our Wheelabex compliance. A lot of what you do too is, I suppose, raising the awareness for people that they can now easily recycle these goods too. And you're well known to have open days. I believe some of those are due to come back on very shortly. Yeah, it's great to see that we have the open days are coming back at, um, at, the, st- at the end of this week. And we have them coming into Clara and into uh, Banagher at the end of the, on Saturday. Um, so we'd invite everyone to come out if they have any um, old televisions, old fridges, freezers, whatever it is, if it has a plug or a battery, uh, to come out and meet Brian and, and the team on the sites uh, there with Raven Hills and to recycle the recycle the material there with our, in conjunction with We Ireland. Uh, but it's also great that we're able to continue it on uh, throughout the rest of this year. We haven't maybe had to cancel it. Obviously, two years ago, we've ran a few uh, towards the end of back at the end back end of last year to see. How would how would it work in terms of uh, dealing with the public? Obviously, in a safe manner and with COVID, because COVID has obviously had a huge huge impact. But it's great to see, and we believe we believe that we'll be able to drive our numbers up in terms of and recycle more of the materials, because people just haven't been able to get out over the last number of years to over the last two years to be able to recycle to recycle the material and if they've if they have them stored at home like like a lot of people do is if they can look look at their local authority websites to see where they can recycle where do we ireland um uh, open days are going to be going on and is it driven do you think by is it just that urge to spring clean that people have spent so long at home over the past two years they're looking at stuff going we need to change that we need to replace it and um, is that really what's driving it or maybe people just splurging this so-called cash pile that's been built up in terms of personal savings i uh, know i i think it's um i think people are obviously they're upgrading they're spending what money that they have on on doing upgrades but also there's been a great awareness of how to recycle and how to recycle properly over uh, that's been built up over many many years um i've been in working in this business for over 20 years and i've seen the education and awareness that's been that for co- for customers that are for the public that they can use these facilities you have civic community sites you have we ireland promoting the the open days uh, and obviously we use the the take back schemes we ireland and retailers for 70 uh, percent of the material comes back into kmk metals for recycling so it's really it's been driven by education over the last number of years, and people obviously, if, if they're upgrading or um, spending their money, they're spending it wisely. But there's also the opportunity and there's infrastructure in place there to ourselves and and we Ireland to be able to recycle these materials. From an operational point of view, how do you cope with a surge in demand like that? And let's let's say it's going to continue this way. Um, how do how does the company have to react to that, given the challenges that you know, COVID nineteen and the pandemic presents to? Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely this time of the year we would we would see as commonly we would see a surge in the materials. But we've this this time we've seen nine hundred and seventy four tons come across our gate in over in in one week. That represents about twenty five percent above our normal run rates. Um, but we have a great we really have a fantastic team we have a great um, supervisor team and operations team on the ground obviously and then our support staff in the office and the administration side of it that are able to drive it but we also have some great partners there in the likes of Ravenhill and Highlands that provide our collection service there and that work with us so it's, it's very much everyone working together and just 
putting their shoulders to the wheel to, to get through this period because it, it generally tends after a couple of weeks it t- tends to maybe drop off slightly but it's uh, it's to be able to manage this surge I mean and look we have to we we're able to predict it to a certain degree but it's great to see it coming across into us and look long may it continue we hear stories of things like, say, packages going through DPD sorting centre net low. I think the most of the time the package spends in there is something like 45 seconds in the building, such as the, the efficiencies they operate at. For yourselves, with white goods, would say, coming in a fridge or a freezer, how long typically does that spend on your premises before you know, you've broken it down and then shipped it away again? Uh, generally, it's maybe two to three days. Uh, sometimes, like the material as it's coming off the, particularly say the fridges or the freezers, they're repackaged straight away onto trailers, and they're they're gone off site within two to three days. We process our white goods on site mainly in Cabegan. As soon as they come off the pallets, they're hitting the floor, and the guys are in disassembling them, taking out the. Uh, any of the hazardous materials that may that may be in them, such as capacitors, batteries, uh, motors, pumps, um, and literally then it's bailed up, ready for ready for shipping off site there within probably twenty four hours. Um, but like typically sort of twenty four to forty eight hours, and we have to fl- and, and with some of the materials, obviously we have because we we have such a wide variety of of different materials, it might take us maybe two to three weeks maybe to build up a full load to go out to uh, other processors um, in Europe there for processing this material. So, but uh, generally, once it hits the floor, sort of within 24 to 48 hours, it's processed and, and the majority of material is moving off the site. But that's it. If we had it building up, it would just build up back, uh, back on the site there the whole time. Yeah, it's impressive statistics as well, but there's clearly a demand for precious metals and other kind of, I suppose, scarce resources then that are parts of these machines. It is, yeah, and it's playing into the circular economy here at the moment um, in that not just with the metals but also with the plastics um, a lot of uh, plastics uh, can be found in your re- in your weed materials and so we have like we're handling probably a couple two three four thousand tons of t- plastic materials as well as your high-end metals and, and your, your your low-end metals uh, grades as well so like in the whole idea is that we have nothing going to landfill everything is either going for even down as far as energy recovery any of the waste so like we it's, so that it's the, so the material is being used to reprocess it to go back into the economy or to and particularly with the metals and also with the, with the plastics as well. That's Christopher O'Brien, Production and Operations Manager at KMK Metals Recycling and like fascinating numbers behind that business as well. And it's great to hear that the awareness is rising. People now know where to go with their e-waste and as you said, they recycle 70 to 75% of the e-waste all across the country. And uh, with that, it is uh, another programme that is just about to finish there. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. As always, Joe Cooney is here after the news at eight with Country Roads. Stay safe and talk to you all next week. And don't forget, if you're an employer, have, start having that conversation with your employees about remote working. Talk to you all soon. Taking care of business returns next Tuesday at 7 p.m. with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly, and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.